John 12 and 23 to 26. John 12, 23 to 26. Uh, it's that time of year again for the bake sale. Um, we have some forms if you want to take some of those, fill them out, uh, pass them around to work, neighbors, family, friends, whatever. Let's go easy on the molasses again. Um, I don't know. I think they're at the back, on the back table. Uh, so you can grab some of those. And the day to have it back in by is the 4th of November, which is closer than I realized. Yes. <laughs> Time flies and during a pandemic. I don't remember not being in one, though. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. It's on a Sunday. Sorry. Whatever Sunday is closest to the fourth. The next. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yes. All right. And yeah, that's that. So back to the, the Bible. John 12, uh, 23 to 26. It says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall my shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. I was going to preach a few minutes on the title, Accept and Die. Let's, uh, let's pray once more before we get into this. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your spirit that's here, your anointing. I pray, God, that you would continue to work and, and move and minister. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. God, draw us closer uh, to you. In Jesus' name, let your will be done. I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. And just a disclaimer, I have preached parts of this in the past, but they were, that was a while ago, so you probably have forgotten until I said this, and now you got to look for it. But um, this story uh, takes place after the triumphal entry. Again, um, last week, the same thing, um, but this is before Judas would betray Jesus. But the story of the triumphal entry, Jesus comes riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, and people are shouting and waving palm branches, and I see the kids have them, so I think maybe this goes along with what they were doing. But they're waving uh, palm branches, and they're putting their coats down uh, on the road for the donkey to have sort of a, a red carpet of sorts, I guess, to, to walk on. And they're, the people are praising Jesus, and they're worshiping him, and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king. And, and this is probably the most exciting moment for the disciples so far. This is probably the most exciting moment of following Jesus, because if you remember the disciples and most of the Jews at the time, they figured that a Messiah would come and he would overthrow the government. He would set up a kingdom like David and, and um, make himself a king. And so as far as these people can tell, this crowd that's gathered around and, and the disciples, as far as they can tell that this is, what's, this is what's happening. Something's going down. He's riding into the capital city and he's going to, you know, take back the throne and he's going to overthrow the Romans, which... Nobody did for a very long time, but he was going to do this as far as they could tell. And he's, he's the king and they're shouting like he's the king. And 
Um, John 12 and 13, it says, They took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So they're calling him the king, and he's going to overthrow the Romans. Woo! Everyone loves a good overthrowing of the government. They're all excited. <laughs> the religious leaders, they get mad, and, and they tell they tell Jesus, they say, hey, get these people to stop. They're getting carried away. And Jesus says, if I do, the rocks themselves will cry out. And this is like, this is the height of everything. This is the, the highest that the disciples have been. This is incredible. This is just an incredible moment. And up until now, it seems like everything that's been happening is leading up to this moment. And then when they're in Jerusalem... Jesus says what we read after some Greek folks come to meet him. And he says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. But hasn't he already been glorified? Right? They just came through this, this thing and this moment. Hasn't this hour just passed? Right? Like they, they've been shouting and screaming and glorifying him. But Jesus says, no, that it's not yet. It's coming. He says, after, this is the hour. This is when I'm going to be glorified. Now, not what just happened. You know, how do we know that he's talking about something in the future? He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He says, unless a grain of wheat dies. So this glorifying, this, this hour of being glorified is somehow connected to a death. Jesus says, it's a... Complete opposite, again, just like, just about everything in the kingdom of God is the opposite of the way we think it should be. You know, the last will be first, and you know, the serves, and whatever. This is all upside down. And this, again, is another one of those things. This is the opposite of what we would think. Surely, to us, glorifying is people singing your praises, and people laying down their coats and palm branches and things like that to keep your donkey's feet clean. Surely, it's the attention of all of the the crowd and the accolades and the praise and all of that. But no, Jesus says that his glorification would come through a death. Lord, his glorification would come through a cross, through a tomb, through a resurrection and an ascension. It didn't come from the praise and the shouting and the attention of the crowd and the waving of the branches and the laying down of the coats. It didn't come through the accolades of the crowd. And this is the opposite of how we would think. This is the opposite of how we would want it to go. And it's the same with the disciples. We want the attention. We want the, the praise and the accolades. We want that sort of glory. We want everyone to look at us and say, wow, they're so good. They're so wonderful. They sing so well or they preach so well or they look so well. I don't know. Whatever it is that your thing is. They bake cookies so well. They, whatever. That's what, we, we, that's what glory is to us. We want everyone to look at us. Well, I just want to be like them. They're so wonderful. But Jesus said, unless the seed dies, it's just a seed. And a seed has incredible amounts of potential. A seed has the ability to produce fruit, to produce more seeds, to feed people, to, to change someone's life. But it's just a seed. Until it dies. 
Until the seed is buried in the ground, until the seed breaks open and something comes out of it, until the seed gives itself over to death and to the ground and to the process, it'll be just a seed. You can keep it on your shelf for a long time. You can pass it down to someone. You can pass it around. You can do whatever. You can look at it. Wow, this is such a nice dried up pea or bean or wow, this is so nice. Look at how pretty it is. So much potential. But unless it is buried, unless it goes into the ground, unless it dies, it'll just be a seed and nothing will happen with it. We can praise the seed and we can talk about the potential the seed has and we can, we can hold the seed in our hand and we can dream about the things that are going to grow from it and the food that we'll have or the tree that will grow or whatever the flowers that we'll have. We can dream about it. We can tell all of our friends about this incredible seed that we have, but until it dies, nothing is going to happen. The potential of the seed is only released when death happens. So back to Jesus. Jesus was doing some incredible things. He was healing people. Uh, there were miracles. His teachings were just blowing minds of, of people. And, and, and he was just kind of doing all these incredible, incredible things. He had this great following. But what separates Jesus from any other religious leader or any other God in history is he is the fact that he laid down his life and he willingly died and he willingly gave his life. Jesus wasn't one to just say things. He didn't just teach things and not do them. A lot of us can do that. You know, do what I say, not what I do. I remember my dad, my dad smoked. He would say, don't do this. Do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> and that's not really the best way to lead anyone. I mean, it worked for me. I didn't do it. Because I thought, that's all how much money it costs for one. But he, but people will do that. But Jesus was not like that. He would, he said, you need to love your enemies. And then he did it. Turn the other cheek. He did it. You know, serve. He did it. And this is no different. This story, this lesson was no different. He said, unless a seed dies, it will, won't bring forth fruit. And then he showed them what it looked like. Then he showed them what it was to die. Then he showed them what it was to lay down their life. And this is the week leading up to the crucifixion. He's going to show them what this means. In the garden, he prayed, let this cup pass for me and not my will but thine. So, you know, this was something that he didn't necessarily want to do, but it was something that he knew was necessary and he had to do it. So what does dying, we're not all supposed to just go and die. We don't get that. Um, this isn't a cult or anything. You know, I'm not going to drink something and see you later at the end of service. That's not what's going to happen. But it's talking about spiritually. So what does dying look like spiritually? Because if we want to accomplish anything for Jesus, if we want to have any sort of impact on the world around us, this is what needs to happen. It means, it means giving up ourselves, our wills, our plans, our desires, our wants, our goals. And this, again, is one of those things that goes against everything that we want to do. We want to do things on our own. We want to figure it out on our own. I want to look how I want to look. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I want to say what I want to say and I want to think what I want to think and I want to go where I want to go and act 
I want to act. Because that's how we are. Because if we weren't, then it wouldn't be much of a, a struggle or a death in the first place. Even with church sometimes, I want it the way I want it. I want my friends to be there. I want to know every song. I don't want to be my favorite songs. I want, you know, the messages that make me feel good. I want to be done at a certain time because I got things to do. Right? But what if God wants something else? Paul got a hold of this in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31. He says, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. I know we take that verse and we say it's all about repentance and repenting daily, but it's not all it is. It's about letting Jesus have his way daily and be willing to lay down ourselves daily until we're willing to die to ourselves and our desires and our, our wills. We'll never have the move of God that we want and we'll never produce anything of ourselves and, or you know, Jesus will never be able to produce anything in us. And that is the problem because too many times we're unwilling to surrender and submit and die to ourselves. We want to be our own Lord. We want to be our own master. We want to control our own stuff instead of letting him work. And until we're truly willing to let him have everything, it's not going to happen. Last week we talked about Judas and the difference between what Judas called Jesus and what the others did. But the others called him Lord and they surrendered everything to him. And Judas said, you're just a good teacher. And there's a difference in that. And Judas wasn't willing to surrender everything. And because he wasn't, we know what happens to him. But the other disciples, they were willing to call him Lord. And they were willing to lay everything down. Even though they might have struggled with some of it at times. And we saw, you know, you can read through the New Testament. And you read through history and see the impact that they had on their world. Because they were willing to, to lay it down. They were willing to make him Lord instead of trying to do it on their own. Until we're willing to do that, all these things, these dreams, these things, you know, all these things we want God to do in our lives, they're not gonna, not gonna happen. And not, and it's not enough just to say, you know, Jesus, here you go, have everything. We have to actually let Him do it. When's the last time we maybe stepped out of our comfort zone and we prayed for that person that maybe we don't get along with, or you know, we stood for truth when no one else was, or we. Stepped out and worship a little bit when we were, were tired or we didn't know the song or we didn't like the song. I'm not just I'm not picking on the songs today. Don't get me wrong. You guys all knew them. That's fine. But there there are times when I don't like this one. Some there's songs I don't like. There's songs you don't like. But if we let that dictate what. You know, what we do, how we respond to Jesus. We're not really doing it right. When's the last time we, we said in prayer, I'm willing to go wherever you send me, or I'm willing to speak to whoever you want me to speak to? When's the last time we maybe let him minister through us in prayer? Last time we went and prayed with someone, let God speak through us. When's the last time we surrendered completely? Because we can't produce anything if we're trying to do it our way. Jesus said that we need to die. And if we don't die, if, we don't, if we're not willing to lay it all down, we're not going to produce anything. And it goes to say that if we're not doing these things, if we're not 
producing anything spiritually, or God isn't working through us, then we probably haven't died yet. And I know some things take longer to grow, some seeds take longer, but Jesus also said in Matthew 7 and 20, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. You know people by what they're producing. And if there's nothing producing, then there's nothing. <laughs> if you've been the same for 30 years and you haven't got closer to Jesus and he hasn't done anything through you in the last 30 years, uh, maybe we need to readjust something. If nothing's happening in my life, if there's no growth, if I'm not getting closer to him, if I'm not being used, if I'm not producing fruit of the spirit or I'm ministering or stepping out or whatever, then, then I need to be able to, to lay myself down. I need to be able to, to die spiritually. Because if not, I'm still just a seed and nothing's happening. Can't produce, we can't grow without dying. It's a nice positive message on a Sunday morning. Do you know what I'm saying? And here's a little tip for you. When you die, stay dead. <laughs> Spiritually. Stop trying to resurrect things that don't need to be resurrected. Right? Your, your past life, you lay it down at an altar. Don't go and pick it back up and say, oh, we're going to do this again. If you repent, if you turn away from something, stay turned away from it. Don't go back to it. Don't try to bring it back up. If you lay it at the altar, leave it at the altar. Because you come to the altar, you lay something down, and then you pick it back up on your way up. That's not dying. That's not sacrifice. That's not laying it down. You can't you know, lay it down and pick it back up. Let it rest in peace. Can't say, oh, God, take this addiction from me. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then go out, you know, lay a pack of cigarettes down. We'll use that example. The altar, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then go out and go buy another one on the way home. That's not how it works. Right? We can't just, oh, God, forgive me for my favorite thing, gossiping. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do it again. And then go home and... Did you see what she was wearing today? <laughs> That's not how it works. So if we're going to lay it down, we got to lay it down and leave it. So we're going to surrender ourselves. We have to surrender ourselves, not do it for five minutes and then go out and live the same way. That's not how it's going to work. Nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to grow. And God's not going to produce anything in us. Right? My good friend, Marilla Cuthbert, she said, God doesn't want you as a fair-weather friend. He wants someone that's committed, and that's what God's looking for. Because, like, God, oh, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to do whatever you want. And then he's like, you know what? Go to Nineveh. Nope. That's not how it works. I want you <laughs> God will do anything except that. We can, that's not how this needs to go. That's not dying. Dead men don't argue. Did you know that? Ever try to argue with someone? Come to a funeral, start arguing with the person. Doesn't work. They don't say anything back. Sorry to be a little bit morbid, but that's. They don't say anything. They don't argue. And God, 
So if we are willing, to, if we lay ourselves down spiritually and say, God, I'm surrendering to you, we're not going to argue with him when he tries to produce something in us, when he tries to grow something in us. If I want to produce anything, if I want God to produce anything in my life, then I need to be willing to die spiritually and stop, stop trying to resurrect the past, let it lay, don't dig it up, we don't need spiritual archaeologists. <laughs> Well, a seed, a seed, it needs to be buried and it needs to break before it can grow, before it can produce. A seed needs to be split open for something to come out of it, right? So when we do this, there will be a time of breaking. There's always a time of breaking when we lay ourselves down. There's always something that happens that tries to, feels like we're being torn apart. There's always a time of breaking we go through. We can get in the moment and say, God, why is this happening? You said that, I said that you, uh, I would do whatever you wanted. You look at the disciples. They, Peter preaches the day of Pentecost. The next day, whatever, he goes to the temple. Guy gets healed, then he gets thrown in jail. That's not the way it was supposed to go. But God, you know, he works through these things. And there's always times of these breakings when things it doesn't feel like it's going the way that it should, but he's working and we need to trust him. Because you put a seed in the ground and it starts splitting open, something starts happening and you pull it out, nothing's going to happen anymore. Right? You need to trust the, the process. It's not always going to be comfortable. There's, there's things that Jesus needs to remove from us. There's doubts and fears and attitudes and anger and thoughts and sometimes philosophies and sometimes ego and, and pride. And when we truly die to ourselves and we live for Jesus, there's going to be some tests and these things will they'll break us and they'll hurt, but it's necessary because at the bottom when there's nothing left of me and of you, that's when he can finally work. When that tree grows from that seed, there's no seed anymore. That thing has com changed completely. Now, I pulled out stuff from the garden that's died. There was no seeds left from my tomato plants. That seed was gone. It was completely changed and completely transformed. Because at the bottom, when there's nothing left of you and me, and that's when he can finally work, and that's when he can do what he needs to do. John the Baptist said in John 3 and 30, He must increase, but I must decrease. Less of me and more of him, and this is how it's going to work. A seed is buried in the dark, and it's broken before anything grows, before it can produce any, uh, anything. And sometimes we're like, you know, okay, Jesus, I'll do it. But then the, it starts happening. The breaking starts happening. We dig it back up. No, I'm not going to do it, and it's not worth it. And okay, I'll do it. And we do the same thing over and over, and then years have passed, and we found nothing's really changed. We need to go through the breaking. We need to be willing to decrease and let him increase. And everyone who has any sort of powerful um, ministry has gone through a, a breaking time. Paul, he started off blind for three days. You read the story of Paul. No one believed him or accepted him because of the things he, he did. And he had to struggle through that. David, he was chased and, and abused and threatened by Saul and Joseph. He was abandoned by his family. He was falsely accused. He was thrown in prison. Peter Peter failed in front of everyone. He had to rise above that. His pride had to take a big hit in order for God to be able to use him in the way that he had planned. And this is all part of the process. 
We need to be able to die to let him work through us. And until we do, it's just us. Until a seed dies, it doesn't produce. And the potential is still there. The possibility is still there. But it's not going to produce until, until it dies. And Jesus said, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth, hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If all we care about is this life, and all we care about is my, my life, and what I want, and my desires, and my plans, and my dreams, we're going to lose it. But if we hate this life, not like, oh my goodness, I hate my life. So terrible. Not like that. Not all emo or whatever. But we hate this life like we don't care about this. We care more about what happens um, for eternity. If we die to this life, we will let Jesus work through us. And we live for someone else, for Jesus. We have life eternal in heaven. And the neat thing about Jesus is we put him first. He, the Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. But only if we submit. Um, Psalm 37 and 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. The Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in the Lord. Sometimes we take half of that verse. Thank God, he said, you give me whatever I want. Give me whatever I want. And it starts with delighting yourself in the Lord. And some of our problems are we just want what we want when we want it. But if we delight in him first, if we focus on him first, we put him first, put God first, that's when it will happen. When we die to ourselves, when we delight in Jesus, our desires change. They become more kingdom-minded and more kingdom-focused. And suddenly, you know, when we, when we do this, when we go through this process, our, our desire isn't for a bigger house or um, anything like that. It's for building a king, the kingdom of God. It's not for a promotion to get more money for money's sake, but maybe to have more to give to others. Our desire isn't for more time to relax, but to give to someone else, to disciple and teach and work with. And when we do that, we delight in him, we put him first, things start changing, he starts producing stuff in us. There's a, uh, a pastor that I look up to, and he always wanted to be a teacher. Um, growing up, his dad was a, a principal, uh, his sister uh, was a teacher his, his daughter has her bachelor's of education uh, it's just in the family it was you know, one of those things um, he, he wanted to teach and he was, he was going to go to university get his you know, teaching degree and that's what he was going to do that, he had his whole life well, that's, what, that's what he wanted to do and God started working on him he ended up um, switching and going to, to Bible college and surrendered what he wanted to do what God wanted to do and God took that and his, desire, his desire was to teach but he surrendered to God and now God's used him and brought him all over the world he's taught 
Bible schools and things all over the world. He's teaching, you know, everywhere. If I told you who it was, you would know. That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> teaching everywhere. Uh, well, before the last couple of years. But all because he was willing to die to his desires and his will. And then God gave him his desire, which was to teach. A little bit differently than he probably thought. But God took that and used it. If we change our focus, we put it onto him and not onto us. We die to ourselves and we repent and we lay ourselves at the altar, our lives, and we keep it there. God can do incredible things through us. Jesus answered and said, um, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. He says, If any man serve me, let him follow me where I am. There shall also my servant be, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Jesus said, Unless we die to ourselves in our ways, we will never produce anything worth anything. And then he went... And he did it. He went and he showed us what to do. He showed us what it looks like. And he said, if any man serve me, let him follow me. Matthew 6 and 24 says, no man can serve two masters. Either you will hate one, love the other, or you will love one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we need to make up our mind who we're going to serve. Jesus or the world. And he says, if you're going to serve me, you need to follow me. What did he do after this? He laid down his life. Servants do and servants obey. They do what they're told. They do what they're asked. They don't rebel. They don't fight. A servant's job is literally to do whatever the master asks. There's not a union. You don't like it. You don't get to go on strike. There's no servant's union. There's no butler's union where they all go on strike. We're done this. That's not how it works. And we're called to be a servant of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. And if we're following him, we can't be following others. You can't be a, a, you know, a lone ranger and do whatever you want. Jesus said, if any man serve me, let him follow me. The only way to follow him, the only way is to follow him. He, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected. <clears throat> We follow him in that by repenting, by being baptized in his name, by being filled with his spirit. Following him, he says, will lead, what did he say? Where I am, there will my servant be. If any man serve me, let him will my father honor. We follow him, there's, there's a promise that we'll be with him. We know that he's, Later he talks about heaven and all these things and the disciples are like, how are we going to get there? And he says, just follow me, you know, we'll get there. And we follow him, there's salvation. We follow his example of laying ourselves down, being buried and resurrected, repenting, baptized in his name, filled with his spirit, dying to our old way. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. Paul said, I've died with Jesus, but I'm alive. And yet, it's not just me anymore. He lives in me. And now the life I live is lived by faith in Jesus. This is what it looks like. Except to die. This isn't about me. It's not about the glory like we would normally think. It's not about getting all the attention. It's not about everyone saying how great we are and all of that. It's, it's about dying like a seed so that you can produce something great from our lives. It's about giving ourselves over to him and surrendering our lives to Jesus and letting him work and lead and produce. You could come back to play something. Um, except it die. Jesus wants to do something incredible in our lives. He has a plan for each and every one of us here. And the potential is in us. The potential, the seed is there. We can, he can use us to do incredible things. To expand his kingdom. To, like that preacher I talked about, to go travel all over the world and teach. And all he ever wanted to do was just teach in a high school somewhere. Where God took him and he's trained and, and, and taught hundreds and thousands of people impacting the kingdom of God. And there's this potential in us to reach our community, to reach our families, to reach this area and beyond and to be used in, in, in the spirit and the gifts of the spirit and to do all of these things. But unless we're willing to lay ourselves down, except that seed dies, it will not produce fruit. Maybe we've just been holding on to the potential for years. I don't know. Maybe it's just taking us a little while to grow. Maybe some of us are oak trees. I don't know. But unless we're willing to lay down our, ourselves, lay down our lives and our wills and our desires, he's not going to be able to produce the things that he wants to produce in our lives. So this morning, I know I talked about dying an awful lot. Could have been a funeral message, I guess. But I wonder if we could just take some time as, as we sing, take some time and pray. And really, not just say, God, I want whatever you want, I'll do it, but actually mean it and actually start laying down our desires. And some of us, you know, maybe we're not as young as we used to be, but God can still use us. God can still do incredible things through us. It's not too late. You know, this isn't for teenagers. Well, it is, but it's not just for teenagers. It's not just for young couples. God can use whoever. Moses was 80. <laughs> so, I mean, Abraham, he was way too old to have children. I'm too old. And Abraham was older than me. God can use whoever is willing to surrender. So we're going to take some time this morning. We're going to, we're going to pray and listen to God. I'm willing. I'm laying down whatever, whatever you want to do in my life. However you want to use me. And then stay there. Don't leave here and start doing whatever the things are that you said you're going to stop. You know, don't go and live the same way, but continue to surrender to him daily and let him work. And stay in that, that soil, if you will.
until he produces what he wants to produce. So I'm going to stop talking, but let's find a place and let's pray this morning. Let's surrender to him. In Jesus' name. I would go.